Sitting on the hillside Watching all the people die I'll feel much better on the other side Of the road I believe in magic why? Because it is so quick. I don't need power when I'm hypnotized. Look in my eyes. What are you seeing? I see. How do you feel? I feel real phony when my name is Life goes on here, day after day. I don't know if I am living or if I'm supposed to be. Sometimes my life is so eerie. And if you think I'm happy, I don't know if the third's the fourth or if the, the fifth's to fix Sometimes I deal with numbers And if you want to count me, count me
Welcome to the Strange Brew podcast, and that was love and the red telephone from you know what is probably or is the best album ever made. Forever changes. Huge pleasure today to welcome Johnny Eccles, a guitarist for Love. Johnny, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And firstly, you know, one of the reasons we're here today is to to basically talk about. Um, you know, you're coming over back over here to the UK and Europe uh, in the summer next year as part of uh, the Love Love Revisited. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that tour? I understand you're sort of playing Forever Changes in its entirety. Correct. Yes, and we'll also be playing some of the favorites from the Capo and the first Love album, but we will do all of the songs from uh, Forever Changes. Is it still the uh, Baby Lemonade guys that you're playing with? Right, yeah, we've been playing together for decades, actually, or they played with Arthur, and and now I'm playing with them, so we've been together a long, long time, and yeah, they're great guys, I enjoy playing with them, and they play the music spot on. We've kind of opened with one of the sort of archetypal tracks from Forever Changes. Even now, do you you need to rehearse much, because the tracks are so ornate? We do rehearse just to kind of to get in shape and all of that for playing the songs because some of the songs are rather intricate, but no, we don't really need to. I mean, once we start playing, there are rarely any you know, flubs or mistakes. We just go right through the set list. And, uh, we, you know, as I say, we do it sometimes just to you know, kind of hone our chops. Because we're playing other types of music. You know, I have a, a blues band called the Medicine Hat Blues Band. And so a lot of times I travel and play different clubs playing blues. So it's, you know, when we get back, mm. we need to kind of refresh ourselves. That's great. And it's interesting you mentioned that blues influence. And I want to talk briefly um, about a, a track that was uh, there before before the love name came, uh-huh. came on the scene. And that was uh, the American Force Soul food was that? Yes, was that kind of the precursor to 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 love that you had with Arthur Lee there? Yes, it was. Yeah, we had just left high school when we did um, Soul Food. We were signed with uh, Bob Keen of Delphi Records, and that was one of the first releases for us, um, Soul Food. And I think the other side was Lucy Baines, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a long time since I've heard him, but. Uh, yeah, Soul Food was a song that I had started. Uh, Henry Vestine of Canned Heat and I used to play fraternity parties when we were in high school. And um, uh, Green Onions came out sometime during that period. And we really loved it. So Soul Food is kind of an offshoot of Green Onions, you know, the name. So, uh, hmm. yeah, good Southern cooking. And, and uh, so the group and the song kind of cooks. And that's something that you you worked on with Arthur. Yes, later on, Arthur Arthur's playing organ on on that song. Oh, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I've read that James Brown was a fan of that single. Actually, yes, he enjoyed it. There's a place uh, in Los Angeles called the Player's Choice. It was or Patton Johnson's. It was a 
a barber shop, but you know, all the guys would come there and they just hang out and stuff. And James came there and heard them playing soul food, and he really loved it. And so they said he sent his manager over to talk to my parents about me joining the James Brown Review. But of course, I was only like 16 years old, so there was no hmm. chance of that happening. But yeah, it was flattering. <laughs> About a year later, with the renamed band Love, you signed to Electra, and soon after that you had a hit with My Little Red Book. But one of the interesting things about that is how much tougher your version is than the sort of Manfred Mann original from the What's New Pussycat soundtrack. What was it that led you to kind of approaching that song so differently? Well, that was total serendipity. Arthur and I went to the, the it's called the Groman's Chinese Theater, and that's where they were showing What's New Pussycat. 
And the, the man for man version wasn't an actual song. It was just the little blurs and things going in and out of the soundtrack of the movie. Right. And so it, it was kind of infectious. And we heard it and I heard it basically and we both liked it. So I went home and tried to remember the song. And so I remembered it wrong because it's kind of, it's done with minor chords and I didn't recall that. And so I played them with major chords and we kind of played a little bit faster than theirs because theirs were kind of dragging along and we play a more upbeat version of it. But yeah, it was total serendipity. It was just me trying to learn a song after hearing it, you know, in a movie and it just... And, and uh, kind of progressed from there. And when we finally realized we weren't playing it right, people enjoyed it and loved it the way it was, so we decided just to leave it. And uh, initially, Bert Backrack wasn't that pleased with our version of it, but then he started receiving royalty checks and bought a new pool, and he was quite happy with it after that. So it worked out for us all.
from your self-titled debut as Love. Um, there's a great instrumental track, uh, Emotions, there. Uh-huh. That's another instrumental credited to you and Arthur. Does that date earlier to a similar time as uh, Soul Food? Yeah, no, that's actually earlier. Arthur had nothing to do with that song. That one oh. was a mistake. They put Arthur's name on it with mine by mistake. But no, I wrote that when I was about 12, 13 years old. That was one of the first songs I ever wrote. And it was called Lonely Guitar. And when we got to the studio and recorded it, um, Jack Holzman decided that Lonely Guitar was too reminiscent of a Herb Albert song called Lonely Bull. So he changed the name of it to Emotions. And uh, um, But no, we had played, or I had played the song for a long time um, before Arthur and I even got together playing music. I've heard that uh, Hey Joe was a, a live favourite of many of the, you know the band's fans at the time. Can you tell me a bit more about live, the, the live shows that you were doing in that period, any sort of key memories that you have of that time? Yeah, we really were a live band. We sounded so much better that we were in our element playing live in front of an audience. And um, Hey Joe has an interesting story. If you notice, the words on Hey Joe are different. If you listen to to Love's version and the Bird's version, those are the uh, original words to Hey Joe. It's Hey Joe, where are you going that, with that money in your hand? And uh, Bob Lee of the Leeds had asked me um, the words. Now, I was kind of suspicious when he asked me because we had already recorded it for our first album and it was to be released. And so he said, well, we just want to play it. So as I said, I was suspicious. So I wrote down on a napkin all the wrong words. I just made up words. Well, hey, Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? And, you know, which are nonsensical. Nobody would be running down the street with a gun in his hand. <laughs> Not in Los Angeles, anyway. So, um, 
anyway, it, uh, the leaves used the wrong words, and um, mm-hmm. later on, um, I think Tim Buckley and Jimi Hendrix and many other people started recording the songs using the wrong words. So for a long time through third story music, I was receiving royalties for that because of the fact that they used the words that I had written. But it, as I said, it was a total lark. It wasn't meant, you know, I didn't sit down to write the words like that. I just did so, you know, uh, because I was suspicious of um, the leaves. So anyway, that again, you know, something that was unintended worked out great for me anyway. that you know that fine debut album of yours is um track mushroom clouds which is uh credited to you yeah uh, arthur ken and, and brian uh, how, how did the politics of that period impact you and the group i mean there's a lot of very turbulent time yes it was a really turbulent time you had not only the vietnam war which we were all really concerned with because we were of an age where they could just drag us out of oz which 
you know, where we were living the life in Hollywood and we could be, you know, the next day over in some godforsaken jungle, you know, scared for our lives. So we were definitely politically aware and that song was kind of, you would watch the news every day and it wasn't sanitized the way it is now. You'd see bodies and caskets coming back, you know, from Vietnam and um, flag-draped coffins. Mushroom clouds are forming And the sky is dark And gray Little children dying In the age of Mushroom pots, and we did a few. As, as um, you know, I'm jumping ahead, but um, a house is not a motel. Also relates to that war where you know a soldier's been hit and he's lying out in the field crying out for his mom, and you know, and the blood mixes with mud and it turns to gray. Well, we were playing with um, Janis Joplin up in San Francisco. And um, she's really, really, really loud when she's on stage. So we had gone out front to where uh, the bar was just so we could have, you know, not uh, be exposed to all of that noise because, I mean, it really, really was loud. I didn't mean to say it was noise, but it was just loud. Anyway, a an AWOL soldier from uh, Vietnam came in and just sat down at a table with us and he started relaying his experiences in the war. And uh, I think he had some mental issues because he had a gun and he put it down on the table and um, to make sure we listened to him. And so we listened to his story and he told us about the fact that when 
people are wounded, you'll hear them many times calling out for their mothers, and that's so. That's why Arthur says you can call my name, or he's calling out for God. Or and when blood and mud mixed together, it's gray. Anyway, he told us all of that, and so Arthur put those words down, and uh, that's how a house is not a motel came about. At my house I've got no shackles You can come and look if you want to Through the halls you'll see the mantles Where the light shines dim all around you And the streets are paved with gold And if someone asks you, you can call my name You are just a thought that someone Somewhere somehow feels you should be here and it's so for real to touch, to smell, to feel, to know where you are here. And the streets are paved with gold, and if someone asks you, you can call my name. You can call my name. I hear you calling my name. Singing, the bells from the schools of walls will be ringing More confusions, blood transfusions The news today will be the movies for tomorrow And the waters turn to blood And if you don't think so, go turn on your tub And if it's mixed with mud You see it turn to grey Then you can call my name I hear you calling my name biggest singles uh, seven and seven is has got that you know fantastic heavy guitar sound of yours there did that cause studio issues in terms of recording you know with the drumming and the guitars it's so so heavy 
Oh, that was an incredible time. It probably took us well over 100 takes to do that song because, you see, drummers at back then were not accustomed to playing to click tracks, you know, where you, mm-hmm. you, you have a kind of a metronome. So Snoopy, who's the drummer on that, Alban Fisterer, he had to keep up with a vibrato on my guitar, and it's a pulsating vibrato, but it has a specific cadence and rhythmic pattern. And if you just deviate from it even slightly, then this whole song just becomes, you know, unlistenable because it goes off and, and the rhythm is, is not cohesive. So we had to continually record that and we get halfway through the song or sometimes even close to finishing it and then Snoopy would go off and then we'd have to start all over again. But we needed the vibrato live on the recording in order for it to have the feel that we were looking for, kind of a controlled chaos. So it it, uh, was a tough song to record, but it's uh, really probably one of the best songs that we uh, did as a group back then. Capo album seems, you know, very challenging to record. You know, tracks like Stephanie Knows Who, with all those different time signatures on the go there. Yeah, that was fun. We, you know, were very much, Arthur and I were very much into jazz. And so we loved Dave Brubeck and Take Five and Paul Desmond and, and uh, his group. So uh, 
they influenced us quite a bit. If you listen to, especially the Capo, we were very, very much into jazz. And so we were kind of doing an amalgamation, a fusion of jazz and, and R&B together. And that was the sound that we initially started with, like um, the song Revelation, which was called John Lee Hooker back then. That was a song, probably one of the first extended jam songs because we were playing that as early as 1963. That was how we basically got noticed and we were drawing crowds because many times we would play that one song for the whole night or the whole set anyway. And so people, you know, could just do a continual dancing to this one song and it had a really nice danceable rhythmic beat to it. So that was our signature for years. It probably still is our signature because that's what we were known for. What's in your life, dear Stephanie? What's in your life for me? Aches and pains, they cloud your side. A tiger did, you said it. Vida, yeah. the bossa nova sound again do you think that sort of marked a, a path towards forever changes in terms of its yes. latin influence yes it is actually we um there was a guy gary mcfarland and he had a really neat bossa nova brazilian sound and stan gets those that, those kinds of musicians and so as i mentioned before we were very much into jazz and so 
um, we wanted to do something kind of in that vein that that had a, a kind of a Latin feel, bossa nova feel, and um, that was really a fun song to play. We haven't played it live much, but I, I really enjoyed playing that because it had such a neat uh, rhythm to it. and words Is this communicating The sounds that I've heard The growling voice then fading And yes, my heart was beating Or was it just repeating and dimes You soon will have a dollar And I in your time I see no need to swallow Or catch a plane to travel My mind's not made of gravel changes and there's that wonderful opening track alone again oh 
Just want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, your memories of Brian as a, you know, as a songwriter. Yes. Do you think he was overshadowed a little bit unfairly? Uh, yes and no. Brian was a wonderful songwriter, but he had a different sort of feel to his songs. He was very much into show tunes and Broadway uh, mm. tunes, those kinds of things. And so, uh, you know, like Orange Skies, he loved, you know, the, the kinds of songs that, that had that feel. So we had to work very, very hard on his songs in order to get them to where they fit into the group and also uh, where people would actually go out and pay money to buy them. Because, mm. you know, if you listen to some of Brian's solo work that he's done, I think, if you believe in and stuff, mm. you can hear his the influences that he had. So, um it was, you know, as I said, a challenge doing his songs. And um, initially, Alone Again was, uh, Alone Again, or Arthur put the or onto it, it was Alone Again. Mm. It was to be a kind of a bluegrass song. And Brian and I were going to finger pick banjo parts. Mm. And we, you know, being naive at the time, didn't realize that, you know, banjo is in a different tuning and requires a different set of skills. So we... Um, had uh, rented banjos and brought them down to the studio and we sat there and tried to do it and play the intro in the in the song using banjos and it was just awful mm. so we just nixed that idea and as a matter of fact alone again was not going to even be on the album but maybe a couple of hours into the session we were doing something else and i was sitting warming up after a break and uh, David Angel came and heard me playing. I'm just playing Spanish riffs, you know, to warm up. Mm. And he heard the Spanish, and he said, why don't you use that kind of influence on Alone Again? And so uh, Brian uh, agreed, and we sat down and worked out the parts using um, a kind of a Spanish feel and little Spanish runs and flourishes throughout the songs, and uh, it worked. And it was uh, David's idea to use the kind of mariachi trumpet solo. And so he changed the whole feel of the song, and it turned into a, a magnificent song. And again, that wasn't planned that way. We just ended up with it that way because we couldn't play banjo. Mm -hmm. Again, serendipity had that kind of, you know, weaves through our existence. You know, things happened and they worked out well for us, but at the time they, you know, were borderline disasters that turned out to be something great. Somebody said to me, 
you know that I could be in love with almost everyone. I think that people are the greatest fun. like uh, Live and Let Live seem to provide a sort of darker undertone to the era, you know, compared to other bands, you know, with your guitar solo on that track kind of underscoring that. That seemed to set you apart, you know. Yeah. Was that kind of just natural or were you kind of aware of the sort of the downside of kind of the the hippier elements that certainly came in a year or two later? Yeah, that was basically because we were seeing, you know, kind of the darker underbelly of you know, the love generation and the peace and love and flower children, you know, it it was starting to change. You know, we were having a a lot of involvement from the police because the uh, store owners didn't want all of these young hippies and young kids, you know, because they would basically walk up and down the street or drive up and down the street. And so there would be caravans of cars and blocking traffic and the store owners you know, uh, just we're not happy with it. So there was a large police presence. And then there would be um, a drug scene, you know, with hard drugs, not just marijuana, but hard drugs were kind of seeping into the scene. And so we had noticed that. And um, so we kind of wanted to reflect how um, that things were changing and how times were changing. Uh, So basically that song is kind of... uh, a wake-up call to kind of tell us where things were headed. Oh, the snot has caked against my pants It has turned into crystal There's a bluebird sitting on a branch I guess I'll take my pistol I've got it in my hand Because he's on my land so the story ended Do you know 
Yes, I see you sitting on the couch. I recognize your artillery. I have seen you many times before. Once when I was in India and I was on my land. Why can't you understand? And so the story ended. You, you know it oh so well. Or should you need, I'll tell you.
you set the scene. What are your recollections of recording? You know that particular song again, a challenging track to uh, to record with the the strings, the, the horns, the time changes. Uh, that was the this this is again something that's interesting. Uh, you said the scene was three separate songs that oh. we had started working on and hadn't finished, and so Kenny Forsey on his own uh, initiative put those songs together. He you know out of uh, fifty different songs. He chose those three to put together, and they work magically together. They fit together, but they're totally different songs and different keys. But those, he was able to meld them together. And then Arthur, just um, the words that he put together for that is just brilliant. It really is a, a magnificent song. When you listen to the whole thing, it just goes through all of these. It's a hard song to play. It's hard as hell to you know, go from one place to the other to get to this really soft, melodic kind of love song to kind of a more of a driving beat to um, the initial finger-picking in the beginning. I'm using a pick because I had been trying to keep up with the cadence because it has to be exact. And so it, it didn't seem to work that way with just doing it with my fingers. So uh, I picked that part out and, and making sure not to get ahead of myself or slow or, or get behind myself. So it was a tough song to record, but I love it. It's it's really a, it's a kind of our magnum opus, I would say. Where are you walking? I've seen you walking. Have you been there before? Walk down your doorsteps, you'll take some more steps. What did you take them for? There's a private in my boat, and he wears this instead of medals on his coat. There's a chicken in my nest, and she won't play until I've given her my vest. At her request, she asks for nothing. You get nothing in return. If you want, she brings you water. If you don't, then you will burn. You go through changes, it may seem strange. Is this what you're put here for? You think you're happy and you are happy. That's what you're happy for. There's a man who can't decide if he should fight for what his father thinks is right. There are people wearing frowns who screw you up, but they would rather screw you down. At my request, I ask for nothing. You get nothing in return. If you're nice, you bring me water. If you're not, then I will
face each day with a smile For the time that I've been given such a little while And the things that I must do consist of more than style There are places that I am going This is the only thing that I am sure of And that's all that lives is gonna die And there'll always be some people here to wonder why And for every happy hello there will be goodbye There'll be time for you to put yourself on
Forever Changes uh, was particularly well received over here in the UK, whereas in, in America it didn't quite make the, the dint at the time that it should have done. Do you think that was because you were mainly concentrated on, on the West Coast? I think it was more because of promotion. Like we got quite a bit more promotion in Europe and and, and the UK, but also the audience over there is different. The audience right. is a more sophisticated audience. I'll put it that way. And so they were able to listen to that and open up to it. You know, whereas as uh, in the U.S. Uh, we had a different audience and and they wanted a different kind of sound, maybe one that was more driving more rock oriented than uh, forever changes was but uh it didn't really get a lot of promotion because we were having problems with electra at the time the doors were taking off and they were hot and so all of the promotional activities went toward them rather than uh mm. forever changes so it basically um was a word of mouth and it just you know it stood the test of time obviously but it Basically, on its own, it didn't, you know, get any hype or anything from the record company, as most records do. So it stood on its own, and it's finally received, you know, the recognition that it deserves. The classic uh, love lineup from that Forever Changes kind of only recorded one single after that, Your Mind and We Belong Together. Was that just because... Was that because Arthur kind of wanted to sort of control things more, that the, kind of the band dissipated? No, we were actually working on, because see, when we initially did Forever Changes, it was meant to be a two-album set, and that was going to be uh, Your Mind and We Belong Together was, was part of that. Right. And Brian had several songs that he had written for it, and so had I. And when we get to the studio, all of a sudden, everything changed. And we were told that instead of a double album, we would just be doing this the one album, which uh, turned into Forever Changes. But no, we had expected to do a much, much different album, a much longer album. And um, the record company at the time claimed that financially, they, they uh, it was just too much of a gamble. And so they chose to... Um, to split the projects up. And I had been talking with Arthur mm. quite a bit about, about stretching out because we were during the time of Clapton and Hendrickson was coming on and Jeff Beck and those people, and they had strong, long guitar solos. So I wanted to do a song that I could kind of stretch out and do a long guitar solo. And so Arthur was very much into the Bee Gees. He loved their sound. And so if you listen to that, you can hear kind of, you know, sounds and, and um, attitudes that are reminiscent of them. And so he kind of put that together with a, an extended guitar solo, and that became uh, Your Mind and We. understand just why I feel like I have been through hell but you tell me I haven't even started yet to live here you've got to give more than you get that's enough but I said it's all right I'd like to understand today then maybe I would know who I was when I was when it was yesterday the seasons and the reasons are on display And I know I, I, 
So many people They just seem to clutter up my mind And if it's mine Throw it away Throw it again Once for my girl Friend Don't let them stop between my ears But it appears that there they are Though they're wrong, ten thousand strong Oh, yeah I'm locking my heart in the closet I want to close with and more again, which I assume you, you'll be you'll be playing on the live shows. It, it must be fantastic to you know to come over here to the UK from the states and you know year after year see see the music that you were part of uh, creating just being celebrated and, and recognised. Oh, absolutely! That's just a magical feeling to come to the UK because it's an entirely different uh, atmosphere for us there. You know, I can go to Liverpool and. We never, I come with my wife, Georgiana, and we uh, hmm. 
never have to buy drinks or pay for dinner. People there just know, you know, know us. And uh, we walk down the streets and people will wave and honk. And so it's a whole different atmosphere there. And I just love coming there. You know, I actually, if we could afford to, I'd move to the UK, you know, but it, it's such a, a neat hmm. atmosphere and the people are so much more into music, you know, and into um, live music. So I really, really enjoy making the trip across the pond. This may be a, your last tour over here. Will you, will you be spending more time on recording instead? You mentioned your blues band as well. Correct, yeah. We'll probably be spending more time recording because I'm still working on Gethsemane, the, the songs that I had, um, and also from Brian's that uh, didn't make the cut on Forever Changes, so we're still working on putting that together. And as I said before, I have a blues band that I enjoy playing with, and, and uh, I do a lot of um, recording sessions and, and playing with different groups, so I'll be more you know focused on that. But yeah, we will continue to play and tour. It's just that you know coming um, to the UK, it's likely that this will probably be our last formal tour of the UK. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, you, you and, and the guys live here in England. I haven't seen a, a love show since Arthur was here, and um, I think back in 2004. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just it'd be great to see you. And uh, I guess people should, over the next uh, weeks and months, just be looking out for, for the shows, uh, all the show's tickets. Oh, correct. Yeah, we're going to, in the next uh, couple of weeks, we'll be putting out uh, a video and and, uh, they'll tell them where the tickets are available, which venues we're playing. I believe one of them we're going to be playing the Isle of Wight Festival and a few other places that we will and some clubs that we'll be playing, Liverpool and London. And uh, so anyway, we'll let everyone know exactly when and where and you know, the gigs will be, and, and uh, so we're so looking forward to playing. I'm really stoked, and please come down and, and uh, say hi and, and come on back and, and hmm. chat with us. That would be an absolute pleasure. Um, a, a real honour speaking to you, Johnny. I'm a, obviously a, a long-time fan of love and your music, and, uh, you know, it's just a privilege hearing from you today, so thank you so much. Uh, thank you. It's my pleasure. All right, take care. Thank you. Okay. Uh-huh. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And if you see and more again, then you will know and more again. For you can see you in her eyes. Then you feel your heart beating from pum pum pum. And when you've given and everything still turns out bad And all your secrets are your own Then you feel your heart beating from bum bum
And you don't know how much I love you listening to the strange brew podcast if you do like the show please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online it's been almost 10 years since i started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time all your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests to support me just go to the strangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the home page thank you very much Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you. <laughs>